Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L. J. LaFura, alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are, but they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing today? LJ, doing pretty good. You know, I feel like I never ask you, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Oh, always seems not like you're messing with me. Was not expecting that question, but you're doing pretty good. Well, uh, on today's show, we are going to start it off by going through uh, who we think are the silver sluggers in the National League uh, right now through about 75 games. That's about what every team has played uh, at current moment so just a tick under halfway through the season and uh yeah only eight games on the slate today and uh yeah let's get into it lj so uh i believe you just said you will take we're going to start off with pitcher and catcher correct yeah so we're going to go through very similar to last time um last time we started we did the catcher and the designated hitter then we went into the corner infield, middle infield, and then outfield. Only real difference we have here is replacing the DH with the pitcher. So without further ado, I'm going to take one of the easier choices of the day, and that will be Jacob deGrom. 
as the silver slugging pitcher here. We're talking a 423 batting average, 462 slugging for a three, 387 weighted on base. That equates to um, four runs and six RBIs during his time in the lineup. Sorry, yeah. Um, from a hitting standpoint, he's already driven in three runs, six runs, which is a, a substantially over what he has given up on the mound this year. You know, he doesn't walk, but he doesn't obscenely strike out either. I mean, I'm not really sure how much I can justify pitcher offense. I mean, it's better than it, – it's not it's not non-existent. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's certainly been a very good hitting pitcher. Uh, you know, today they really weren't letting him swing the bat because he got taken out of the last start due to an injury that he uh, suffered from swinging the bat. Uh, I think that while while he has been very productive hitting, certainly, uh, you could not not give it to him. Uh, I think Max Freed is up there too. Hmm. Uh, you know, he actually walks a little bit. Uh, he doesn't. I don't know. Uh, Jacob Degrom five seventy nine Babbitt just seems like it. It just seems really high, and I know it's a small sample size, but. A 579 Babbitt indicates to me that he's been a, a little bit on the the lucky side. So, uh, yeah, but if, if the season was ending today, what does that number really tell us? He's produced. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, it means that you know, if you're really above a 400 Babbitt, that you know, you're either having an absolutely insane season where you're hitting so many line drives or you're just getting lucky. It's like one of those two, but uh, I will give it to a Jacob DeGrom. I just think Max Freed also needs to be looked at. Uh, They're both, they both been uh, hitting very well, but not really much of an argument for the NL pitcher silver slugger. Not that it means much at all. Not that it means much. I mean, the, the scary thing is we're still talking about a pitcher silver slugger, meaning just about as much as terms as the actual award as any other position that's actually trained to hit that didn't just randomly start hitting in the higher minor leagues for the first time since they were in high school. Yeah, let me just say I cannot wait for this new CBA when they just say, that the pitchers don't have to hit because with especially how good the pitching has been this year, it's just even more of a black hole at the plate watching these, these pitchers hit. It's just a complete a giveaway at bat. It's like not even like you can't even make the bunt argument anymore or any of that stuff. It's just, it's embarrassing what, what some of these pitchers do up there. And it's going to be nice when they finally implement the, the universal DH pitchers who bunt. Um, yeah, no, honestly, what I think is the saddest part about all of that is you go around and you look at all of these lower leagues. First off, the, the majority of the minor leagues have employed a DH. You will yeah, not yeah, find. I'm pretty sure it's like the only time that they use a DH in the minors is, is if it's two National League teams playing each other. I know that, like, even if the American League team is the away team, 
they still implement the DH. Like yeah. it's very extreme. Yeah. So like they actively avoid using it is, is exactly the point here. And you look at any any college league, any summer league. Um, yeah. I mean, no matter where you go these days, you're finding a designated hitter in the lineup. It gets not only for those developmental sides, not only does it get somebody who's actually trying to hit the, focus on hitting the ball more experience, which is only only elevates the game, but it's also decreasing the amount of time that the pitchers get. So if you're not going to be getting consistent reps at the plate in actual games, how can you expect them to be anywhere close to decent at the plate? Well, yeah, and like not only that, but when you're a pitcher facing a DH, you know, you're certainly going to be throwing your best stuff and uh, taking an actual approach to get that hitter out rather than when the, the pitcher comes up, you can pretty much throw them any off speed pitch and they're just going to wave at it or just stand there with the bat on their shoulder. Like, honestly, if I was a pitcher and I stepped up there, like I'm going to make you throw me three strikes. Like I will not swing like maybe with two strikes, I'll actually try to protect a little in swing, I guess. But like, if you want to pump me three fastballs down the middle, go right ahead. Cause it's not my job to hit. You're not going to try to do the little fake bunt and try to get in their head a little bit. You know, you know, like, you know, wait, like, I the, a wait, little Soto shuffle. like, like what if a pitcher just started doing the, the Soto shuffle after taking balls? Like, I feel like that would just be like, how long would it take a pitcher to get hit? If rather than swinging, rather than Soto shuffle or anything, he just talked the entire time. Just talked? Like, as loud as he could, just tried to talk to the pitcher on the mound. Probably the catcher would call time and just, like, uh, get in his face and just be like, all right, like, can we, like, not do this right now? Do we really need to have a benches clearing situation here? Brandon, don't you – We they should all know. First off, I'm pretty sure a lot of them want to know that we always – want a benches clearing situation here you know they're they're, they're, they're men odds you always want a benches clearing situation until it comes to pace of play and then it's just like pace of play that i mean i feel like this, the pace of play clock should stop if there's a brawl because it's worth it what what do you mean time doesn't stop you can't just say oh we're gonna take out the 10 minute intermission here we're just going to ignore, uh, we're going to omit. Minute intermission, uh, just that, that wasn't real time. You weren't here for that. It, it just didn't Well, happen. no, 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 you, you, know what I, you know what I mean in the fact that, like, we should be omitting, omitting brawls from pace of play conversation and pace of play number. At least keep, consider those when you factor it in. And granted, it is unfortunately few and far between, but it's some of the most exciting things in baseball. Yeah, an actual brawl. Um, I don't know. It seems like nowadays, whenever the bench is clear, it's just everyone standing around, two guys on opposite teams who used to play for each other, go and hug, like, in the back and just watch everything. Uh, There's the two guys who are actually mad, who are waiting for their teammates to hold them back. They're doing the whole... Hold me back. No, you got to hold me back. Hold me back. Uh, yeah, but then you get the good ones. Like, what was it? Was it Cardinals, Cubs? No, it was Cardinals, Reds. 
a year or two back. Yeah, you know, we have – Oh, and yeah, that was with Puig, too. Puig got traded during the middle of a brawl. Like, he got traded during the middle of a game and then to end his Reds career just got into a fight. Like, after he got traded and was still in the game for whatever reason. Like, I don't know why they didn't even take him out of the game. Usually, if you get traded during the middle of a game, they take you out. I guess it wasn't official, but that was the Trevor Bauer deal. Like, yeah. Well, I also, I also think if the, if they, if the Indians did not demand that it, he was taken out of the game or like strongly ask for it in order to make sure everything went smoothly, that obviously shows you how much they cared about him in that deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I think, well, I think the big reason why they traded Bauer, because that was the year when he threw the ball over the fence. Yep. He got taken out by uh, Francona. And yeah, that was that was the Indians' lazy excuse for <coughs> trading him. But they still haven't found the one for the other four star no. pitchers that they've moved. All right, catcher LJ, what did you go with here? I'm going with the safe choice here. And that is Buster Posey, his comeback season. He now threw 197 plate appearances. He's got 12 homers, 26 RBIs. He is slashing 329, 411, 572 with a 417 weighted on base average. This man looks a lot like the Buster Posey of old. It's part of what makes this Giants team so endearing. And he certainly deserves this silver slugger. Yeah, I mean, over a 400 on base percentage for him is pretty crazy, considering that this guy didn't even play in 2020. He comes back, and it's not even like that he's just, like, gotten hot lately. He's been good the the entire season. I mean, since April, he's just been killing it, and – he's not really striking out a lot, which he never did. He's just tearing the cover off the ball. I mean, slugging percentage up near 600 is really high for a catcher, especially when you look at who the second best hitting catcher has been in the national league. And that's JT real, real Muto, who is also having a really good year. I mean, Mm. you can't say that he's not, he has been crushing the ball as well. And Posey beats him in pretty much every stat. Convincingly. Yeah, and which is crazy to me because when you look at their two baseball savant pages this year, very similar in in all the stats. So Posey certainly putting up really good stats. JT Real, Real Muto also having a good year, showing that he is worth that contract that the Phillies signed him to. Uh, yeah, this is another easy one. We're going to go with with Buster Posey, JT Real Muto, and Will Smith uh, also close for me on, on this one. But just that slugging percentage from, from a Buster Posey is really, really good. The Omar Narvaez slander in that statement is unheard of. Will Smith has been way better than Omar Narvaez. Give him representation. He's good. No, he's good. Okay, there we go. I was trying to find a slogan for it. It didn't really work out. He's he's really good 
behind the plate too. Really valuable. We have to do another catcher framing segment at some yes, point. Yes, yes. Update. Yeah. See, you mean see how far Martin Maldonado has lapped the field? Yeah, with his like forty OPS plus. Also, it's ridiculous. Is that even, even like anymore. care? Like if if you have that good of a catcher framing, like. Well, what was that guy's name that bounced around the league without ever getting above the Mendoza line for like seven years? Who, Jeff Mathis? Yes. Thank I you. mean, one really? of the best, one of the best players in the league, one of the best game callers in years. Yeah, nine hundred forty-eight career games and a forty-eight OPS plus, but yeah. a positive WAR. A positive war through all of that. He has only, I believe, had three years, four or five. All right, five five out of his 17 seasons in the league, he has had an batting average over 200. That's how good a catcher behind the plate he was. Yikes. You know, this makes a... This makes a really good uh, question for our trivia game, which you guys should all go ahead, find it on our Twitter at MLB Daily Pod and play every day for a chance to win some merch. Players like, like Jeff Mathis will be featured and we will talk about some different clues of what makes them good, some, you know, just different things about them that make them special and we can see if we can get it. We've got a group of, I think we have 13 different participants so far. So make sure you get on in there. Yeah. Martin Maldonado. So I'm looking at him now. He um is actually basically Jeff, Jeff Mathis, but better defensively somehow and also like a way better hitter and by way better hitter that means that he's at a 73 OPS plus over 800 games so like 25% better but yeah and very soon in about five to six years uh, these guys will not exist anymore uh, as catcher framing will not be a thing so Again, I don't know why you hate it so much that you have to. Oh no, I don't hate it. It's just you hate it's it. A fact. No, it's just a fact. I love catcher framing. Then stop it's just a fact that the umpire. Then stop campaigning for robo umps. It's as simple as that. If you oh, love okay. this aspect so when, of the and, game um, so, and love the human aspect and actually making catchers a valuable piece of the game, then stop advocating for the robo ump. No, the the. Human aspect of the game for the umpires is completely gone when they're showing up players constantly, when they are um, affecting the game by, you know, making like over one plus run run differential or whatever the, the, the word is, where they're f- favoring a team in a game by over a run due to calls. And it's not just a Yankees call. I look at the um scorecards daily and a lot of these umps are bad. I mean, there's calls that are five or six inches off the plate and are getting called strikes or 
that are like clearly in the strike zone getting called balls. It has gone too far. Well, managers will, are sick of it. The only like it's when how when you far have, has it gone though? That's the that's the question here. We don't when, we don't have accurate data back too far. Do we? I just I'm I willing like to bet that this that, human error. First off, being a home plate umpire might be one of the hardest officiating jobs in sports, if not the hardest. And there should be a little understanding for error. Granted, I know one run plus differentials are rough. However, I cannot imagine that every single one of them is doing it on purpose. And overall, I think this is something that has been happening for a lot longer than just the past X amount of years since uh, then these numbers came out. Oh yeah, like don't 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 get me wrong. Like we didn't have any of these numbers for for years past. Like of, of course, but now that we can see the numbers and we actually see how bad the umpires are, like this is where the league needs to take a little action. If not robo umps, they need to at least get the bad umps out of there because well every ump is not bad right because there's an average and 94 percent of the calls in the league are correct but when you have guys that are sitting at like 89 percent accuracy for games and they're missing over 10 calls a game i mean like i get it but the Yankees win that game yesterday, LJ, two to one, and they turn a triple play to end it. Oakland had a plus one overall favor, and they lost by one run. So what does that tell you? Their only run that they scored was thanks to the umpire. Their only run. All right, I, I should. I'm gonna. I don't. I, I like this conversation, but I do need to stop you. Yeah. Here. No. Because we've gone into this defensive tirade in the middle of our Silver Sluggers conversation. Hey, well, that's so, why we have the Gold Glove episodes coming up. Yeah, eventually, if we ever get to them. Um, well, it's me for the Yeah, it's you for first base. All right. Uh, yeah, this one uh, talked about this guy quite a bit on these, like, sort of award episodes. And he's been killing it. I mean, Max Muncy is my clear NL Silver Slugger first baseman. Uh, no, no disrespect to Brandon Belt. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Who's also been very good. Uh, Other guys in there. 
you know, I guess Tyler Stevenson, if you want to throw his name around there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not a real deep first base class this year in the NL. Jesus Aguilar, if you like him, I mean, he's an honorable mention. Max Buncey's just been killing it, though. Uh, 418 on base percentage, 18.9 walk rate to a 20.5% K rate. Uh, really good there. And According to his BABIP, he's been a little bit unlucky, 287. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Max Muncy. Uh, you know, he's played over over 50 games at first base, so I think it's fair to say that he qualifies for, for this spot. Yeah, honestly, I think I would also choose Max Muncy here. You know, I, I would overall say the same here with him being a – first baseman, you know, and it's just across the board, he has been the best option at this position by a pretty wide margin. I mean, they're really of among the heavy hitters. There is no one who walks more, very few that strike out less. And as we talked about on the last Silver Sluggers episode, that's that goes miles for a team being either able to get on base or to be able to at least get the ball in play at the very least works wonders for any team that's trying to score runs. So I will also be going there. LJ, this third base is so tough. This is really tough. So I'm going to talk you through the guys that are in contention for me. So Evan Longoria, Mm -hmm. Chris Bryant, Justin Turner. I mean, I don't even know how to separate these guys. They've just all been killing it. Like, I can't not, I just don't know here. And then you also have a guy like Arenado, who has been having a pretty good year as well. He's, I'd say, a step behind them. But between Longoria, Bryant, and Turner here, it's really tough for me to to choose uh you see if you if you don't mind me putting my two cents in here without actually i mean i'll hold off on my actual pick for a minute but i think it is a toss-up for me i think i separate this field do i even separate this justin turner out i don't know like i just can't you see the thing is yeah no let's keep him in actually i think yeah because Overall, I think Evan Longoria offers a lot. From a contact standpoint, he walks the most out of this group. Um, doesn't like Justin Turner beats them on strikeout percentage. In terms of um, weight on base average, he Evan Longoria takes it. But then you look at the actual like pure production. Like this guy is the best slugging hitter out of those three mentioned Longoria, Bryant, and Turner yet has the lead out of the group has the least RBIs, least runs, least home runs. So how far is that production, his production well, really going? He's also played like about 20 less games than those two as well. Okay. Something yeah. to look at, which is why I was hesitant on him because it's like, Oh, I, I wouldn't the guy who has the actual like, counting stats right or do i pick the player who has the better percentage stats like 
on base and slugging percentage? Well, from that, I didn't really, I didn't look at that to be honest. Um, it's interesting. I, I just think, yeah, it's very easy for me to say go for the percentage because it's the middle of the season and it'll run out. However, we're picking this as if this was the end of the season. And with that being said, I would still go with that because as long as a guy was like close to qualified or at least close enough for him to be eligible for an actual silver slugger, even if he missed a couple of weeks because of injury and was behind the rest of the pack a little bit, but had superior numbers, you'd go with him, right? I mean, yeah, like if so, if it really like is one a wash. Player has like five, five hundred and fifty plate appearances, and the other has like six hundred. So it's like a fifty plate appearance difference. Sure, that player with the six hundred plate appearances is going to have better counting stats but at that point they both had such a large impact they both had so many plate appearances that you're gonna pick the guy with the better percentage stats who like could also have have better counting stats at that point so with that being said uh i think i'm gonna you know yeah i will go with evan longoria right now uh i think that chris bryant though is gonna be right up there uh, with him through the end of the season uh also justin turner uh will be up there as well they're all three very similar hitters in terms of their walks and strikeouts uh they're all pretty much walk and strike out at the same rate and they all pretty much hit the same average i mean they're all sitting around a 280 batting average uh you know i just Three really, really good talents there that is hard to pick from, but we'll go with and, Evan Longoria. And I did, yeah, everything seems to be adding up here because I just quickly did um, the projection of Justin Turner's numbers over Evan Longoria's time span, and it's almost even mm. across the board. I'm, I'm going to go Evan Longoria here as well. But it's, again, very close. Again, I, I love Evan Longoria. He's one of my favorite third basemen, as we talked about earlier on in the season. But I really want to go with Chris Bryant here. It's very hard for me not to. I think overall the base running ability of Chris Bryant also comes into account in my decision-making here, really skews it a little bit. However, with that being said, there's something for having a significant advantage in walk walking or a lack of walking in Chris Bryant's instance here, where I think that's going to be the ultimate deciding factor for me between Longoria and Bryant in how much they're at. I feel like they're contributing on a silver slugger level. So yeah, I will ultimately be going with a very tight Evan Longoria pick. Yeah, for uh, the thing that made me end up going with Longoria was I looked at Chris Bryant's baseball savant page, and then I looked at Evan Longoria's, and Longoria has a lot of red on his. Bryant, you know, not as, like, highly ranked among some of these stats as you would think. Certainly having a great year, year numbers-wise, but... uh, in terms of like exit velocity and stuff, you know, he's not 
killing it. So that's why I went with Evan Longoria. Uh, you got the middle infielders. I do, and I do have to ask. So are we counting Chris Taylor? How many games has he played there? That's the thing you never know with these Dodgers guys. Yeah, this is second base is a mess. Uh, all right, so Chris Taylor this year has played 26 games at second, 38 games in right field. So he's more of a right fielder right than fielder. a second baseman. And so, see, we already picked Max Muncie at first. Yeah, and we can't go there. Well, because and Max Muncie has played over 50 games at first. So I I would say that yeah, no Chris Taylor. Uh Jake Cronenworth, I don't know about his eligibility because he also gets around the infield. Uh he has played, let's see here. Okay, he's played 62 games at second base, 10 at first, and five at short. So Jake Cronenworth certainly qualifies as a second baseman. Uh, uh that's okay, because I think I'm um pretty well set here, I think. I'm going to go ahead and go with Ozzy Albies from the Atlanta Braves. Um, almost really just screwed that up. I, I went, immediately went Hawks and then said no Falcons and then finally got to Braves. So that shows you where my head's at right now. Um, you know, this is an interesting spot to pick from because there's not a lot of people that move the needle for me. Adam Frazier's played great. I I, I don't love it though. Like I'm not, it's hard to sell me on Adam Frazier, despite a 388 on base. It's hard to sell me on Gene Segura, mostly because again, we were talking about games not being a huge factor when it's a minor discrepancy. I think, wait, is that the same discrepancy? Yeah, I, I don't care. Um, it just feels like he has not produced to an, even enough for 49 games when you look comparatively to other guys around that stretch. But Ozzy Albies is a very intriguing player here. Of course, he could walk more. That would help his case a lot. However, we're looking at a guy with 10 home runs, 43 RBIs, seven stolen bases. Actually, I like that a lot. Having that base stealing ability is a big is a big plus here. In terms of how much overall offensive production he's able to add across the board, that that makes me overlook the 255 batting average because he's able to do so much with those three. 323 on base percentage time that he's out there. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to Ozzy Albies. Yeah, uh, this is tough for me because like Adam Frazier, I feel like we do end up giving him the short end of the stick a lot, but I just don't forget. He forgot to cover first base. He forgot to cover first base on the, uh, on the hobby bias play. And I don't know if I can give the silver slugger like, and I get these a second baseman. So he's not supposed to like really hit for power or anything, but I don't know if I can give the silver slugger to a guy who's on pace for like five home runs this year. I just, yeah. in a game that is so dependent on extra base hits in the more, in the more valuable players, 
are guys who get extra base hits. I just don't know if I can, you know, go. The only with- exception to that for me, and one that I see could very well see happening if he stays healthy the rest of the year, would be Gene Segura at his best. When Gene Segura is playing a lot of time, getting a lot of time, he is easily capable of 200 hit seasons. Yeah. And the thing with him is he gets a lot of doubles. Like he'll have a 30, 40 double season. Then like, I want to say Frazier also has like a good amount of double. Yeah. He has 23 doubles this year. I just, I don't know. It's a different completely sold on him. Don't get me wrong. Great hitter. Like the, the, Hitters like him don't exist a lot anymore. These these guys who uh, don't strike out. I mean, he, he's only struck out 33 times this year. These guys who don't strike out don't really exist anymore. The only other guys I can think of are like Nick Madrigal, uh, Luis Arias. But with that said, I think I'm going to go with – I'm stuck between Cronenworth, Segura, and Albies. Yeah, Albies switch hitter. I will, he's got some pop. I will say I am kind of regretting not going Segura. I almost did. I'm not and going Segura. I would uh, like to. See, I would genuinely like to see him win it. However, it's just it hasn't been enough time. Again, if this was a full season, he probably could sell me. However, another guy that we haven't acknowledged part of it granted is partially cores but that's having a fantastic year what about ryan mcmahon does he qualify for second base like i thought he was a third baseman you see i wasn't sure he qualifies as a second it's second is listed as his primary in fan graphs. oh this is tough lj 41 games at second base 40 at third base Ooh. <laughs> Dude, that's just brutal. Yeah, so technically he is a second baseman by our logic right now. Uh I'm gonna go with Ozzy Albies. Uh I can't pick Jake Cronenworth. Uh just I don't think he's done enough offensively this year. He doesn't really walk a lot. Uh and I mean you could say the same with Albies, but Albies is gonna bring you some power. Switch hitter, he brings you speed. Uh, RBIs, I mean, look at him, he's at 45 RBIs already this year. So, yeah, I'll take um, Ozzy Albies over Adam Frey. If I had to rank the rank them, we're gonna go Albies, uh, Frazier, Cronenworth, Segura, Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, I don't know. Just not high on Gene Segura. I know I picked Evan Longoria, who and he had great stats through basically the same amount of games, but just doesn't seem like those counting stats are there for Segura as much as they were Longoria either. So, yeah, but that offense also is the offenses are very different there. Yeah, like, I, San Francisco's I flat out producing at a different level than Philly is. Like, but there's. I just feel like the amount of lineup protection that you have in Philly is, is better. You have Harper and Hoskins in the same lineup. Like it's two really scary guys. You don't really want to 
be pitching around Gene Segura to get to them. Meanwhile, in the Giants lineup, I mean, yes, you have Longoria and Posey, sure. But I don't know. I think that the Phillies lineup, like, on paper looks better. But certainly talk, the Giants. Talk me out of switching over to Ryan McMahon. I don't want to be tricked by cores, but it just looks so good. No. I, I'm, I, 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 I don't know how you, we could even – like, I don't know if I could classify LJ. He has 103 weighted runs created plus. It's know. been, it's been entirely coarse. It's been, it, I want to look at his home road splits and we'll see. Actually. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm going to move on because. Yeah. We'll go right ahead. For, so, cause we will be moving into the shortstops next. And is there much surprise here? No, you know, Brandon Crawford has had a fantastic season. Brandon Crawford, you know, slashing 249, 336, 537. He's got 16 home runs on the year, 48 RBIs, absolutely balling out there. But it does not mean a thing because easily, clearly far ahead of him is Fernando Tatis Jr., not only is he outclassing him in nearly every, yeah, just about every spot that he could except strikeout percentage of the things that we've really established matter. We're talking base running. We're talking average on base. His slugging is better. And then you go over to the counting stats as well. Outclassing him in home runs, outclassing him in runs very close in RBIs. They're not even in the same zip code when it comes to stolen bases. So Brian Crawford, you're a great glove. You're finally back as a bat, but we're going Fernando Tatis here. Uh, I'm also going to go with Tatis. You did a great job of uh, breaking that down. Really not much more to say uh, about him. As for Ryan McMahon, uh, yeah, no, there's no way I could pick this guy. Uh, his OPS on the road is seven seven or is seven forty four, two twenty four batting average, two eighty seven on base percentage on the road. Brandon, uh, I think in, you're missing some of the appeal here. A lot of the Mar- Ryan McMahon appeal is the emotional um, appeal. Colorado has nothing else left. They have very Trevor little going Story. for them. Story, what do you? They have, they have Trevor Story for the end of the year. Past that, they're stuck with Garrett Hampson and Ryan McMahon and Herman Marquez being the greatest pitcher of the organization's history with like a barely above 100. No, you know, I'm done saying that. I have, I have completely given up on him. It's gone back to Ubaldo Jimenez. He's their best pitcher ever. There's, I'm done with the run with the Her- Herman Marquez as the Rockies' best pitcher ever. That's, because if he if he was their best pitcher ever, I would be hearing about him like having good good outings, and I'm not. So but that's the whole point. No, but like I feel like you just had uh, such a dumb ballpark. <laughs> dumb ballpark. Dumb. It's mostly dumb. the state. No, no, no. I know it's not the ballpark's fault. Uh. It's just 
I just can't believe how skewed some of the hitting numbers are when it's there. Like Ryan McMahon has an eight sixteen OPS, and in his like OPS plus is not even that. It's it's one eleven because of because of how bad Coors is with the adjustment. Think about the children. How would they feel knowing that they don't have a silver slugger as they walk around smoking weed in downtown Denver? Consider the children. Oh, yeah. All right. uh, Corner. For for the sacrifice of one fake silver slugger vote, you can make a child like that's dreams come true. From the arms of an angel. Are we doing... Corner? Am I doing corner outfield, and then you're doing? No, just go with the, go through the outfield. All right, left field. Uh, we'll go Jesse Winker, uh, Brian Reynolds, a close second. Uh, Chris Bryant, I guess. Actually, hold on, because yeah. I didn't even look at Chris Bryant. I feel like he's played more in the outfield this year. That's, the, that's what I said, but he gets classified as a third baseman oh. by. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Oh, like, okay, this is... So he's played 10 games at first... 20 at third, 20 in left, 11 in center, and 19 in right. So, like, I don't know where you even can, like, put him. Because out because for the, the silver sluggers, it's not just three outfielders. It's left, center, right. He's played 20 games at third, 20 in left, 19 in right. Like, he hasn't – he doesn't have, like, a spot. So – um, let's see what, how many, what's the, I'm not picking him started. over Jesse Winker though. He's not, he's not getting picked over Jesse Winker. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. I'd so, say innings wise, he edges out at third. So, uh, center field, we are going to go with, wow. I can't pick Starling Marte. He's only played 36 games, but. As, the future center fielder of the Yankees. How can you do that to him? I can't pick Cattell Marte either because he's the only other future center fielder of the Yankees. What are you going to do? I can't pick Cedric Mullins because he's in the American League. Uh, Brian Reynolds also on this list. Don't tell me he's played more center than – oh, he has played more center field. Oh, am I really going to pick Brian Reynolds? Oh, I could pick Chris Taylor, right? Can you pick Chris Taylor? 
why do all these guys like just play one position? Can you not be freaking versatile? <laughs> okay, yes, I can pick Chris Taylor. He's played 38 games in center and 26 at second. So, yep. Um, but no, you know, we're gonna go Brian Reynolds actually. <laughs> Because I'm looking at the stats. After all that. LJ, he has a 544 slugging percentage. How can I not take him? And they, they have the same on-base percentage, but Brian Reynolds has or a 529 slug to Chris Taylor's four, 458. Yeah, we're going to go Brian Reynolds. Uh, so I went Winker in left, Reynolds in center, and we're going to go – I don't even really need to look. We'll go Ronald Acuna in right field. Nick Castellanos close behind him. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the um, Jesse Winker in the left. I am going to go with Chris Taylor in center based on own personal preference as well as Ronald Acuna in right. He does he checks all the boxes for me out of what I want to see out of a player. It's really it's quite remarkable. Yeah, he just hit his 100th career home run the other night too, which you know, for a guy who debuted in 2018, you're you're not supposed to be doing that. And and had a 60 game season. Yeah, he's played 378 games and has 100 home runs. So now 101 in 380 games. He's the only player to have 50 home runs and 50 stolen bases, like total, through his first two seasons in in MLB history. All right, well, Brandon said, and I quote, we should have no trouble getting this all in in a relatively short episode, at least yep. under an hour today. We are now at the 40-minute mark, so we are going to move on into the rest of our content. Yeah, so and, it should be, and it shouldn't be uh, that bad. Only eight games today, so uh, we should be able to breeze through this. And, uh, yeah, LJ, you got the I have the first two, and I'm 90% sure – the Ian Anderson start was the first one, right? No, Ian Anderson pitched the second game. Second game? Okay, so the first one had another remarkable performance here, but let's get into actual scoring first. A wild pitch in the bottom of the first gets the Mets on the board and gets Jacob Grom into a winning position. He carries a no-hitter into the fifth inning, I did not see the play, but I saw. I heard that it got botched by the defense to allow the hit. Uh, I also did not see the play. Watched the first three innings, then went to the gym. <laughs> um, we had a flex on us, Brandon. Um, anyway, in the bottom of the fifth, Dom Smith it was able to hit a double with the bases loaded. Yes, bases loaded double clears them, leaving only him on second base with a 4-0 Mets lead. Jacob DeGrom exits after this inning, and they proceed to give up two on a Ozzie Albies dinger. 
his 11th of the year to make this a 4-2 game. But Edwin Diaz closes it out to make this final 4-2 Braves. The loss will go to Kyle Muller, who went four innings, allowing one earned and three strikeouts in this, we should say, seven-inning doubleheader shortened game. The save, of course, goes to Edwin Diaz, his 15th of the year. And the most important one here, the winning stat line for the 7-2, and two, Jacob deGrom. Five innings, one hit, no earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. This brings the ERA down to .50, and most importantly, the first clean inspection of a pitcher this season. Jacob Jacob DeGrom became the first inspection of the year, came back completely clean as everyone expected, and continued to dominate every at-bat that he saw in this rather shortened stint out on the plate. I'm trying to see. I'm only getting it last. I'm not able to find DeGrom. DeGrom, 70. Yeah, only through yeah, 70. No, we need to talk about that because it's Luis Rojas here. I, I mean. I look, stand by it. Uh, I see. Here's Here's my thing. Yes, his spot in the lineup is up. And yes, you don't want him swinging the bat whatsoever. Like they came out and said that, like they want him to just bunt because they don't want him getting hurt, which is completely understandable. It's a lot easier to get hurt bunting than it is just swinging. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like that's what the Mets broadcast was saying. Like he like you can really screw up your hand if you do it wrong, or if it just like if it rolls the wrong way. Yeah, like you remember a couple years ago when Max Scherzer like was during during batting practice was was practicing bunting and he took one off his eye like got a, or he like broke his nose or something like yeah. but here's the thing so they pinch hit Jeff McNeil for him because the pitcher spots up it's a one nothing game at that point DeGrom's at 70 pitches he pitched five of the seven innings of the game you see that's the only reason I'll give them a pass because that is a pretty frequent strategy. It's usually about 50-50. You're either going to let your starters go the whole game if you're a manager, or you're going to treat this as a shortened version of a regular game. So in this case, I would not be shocked if Luis Rojas decided, okay, Jacob DeGrom has been pitching great. He doesn't have the no-hitter anymore. But let's just, to be safe, why put any extra miles on him that aren't needed? Let's go into our closeout group. Going into that eighth inning, to give up a home run as soon as they right, can. Well, you know what? What do you expect them to do? Not do give up a home run, Seth I Ludo. Mean, pitch a clean I, inning. If you're right, going to well, make that move, like you, you have to take some sort of criticism because you already know someone asked them about it and they're going to like, why would you take him out at 70 pitches? And then the guy you put in allows a home run. Like, yes, you got the win, but those are questions that, that, you know, you're, you're going to be asked. He does deserve that. However, I'm not like terribly concerned about that. If I'm, if I'm him though, because any eighth inning guy in a normal game could easily give up a two run homer. 
Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a part of the game. If you're bringing it into your closeout group, sometimes incidents like that will happen. However, where I will have an issue is if this becomes a normal thing and DeGrom's only going 70 innings or 70 pitches for an extended period of time. Because what is their lead now in the division? Uh, they are up by four games. But they also talking? like need to make up about seven or eight games. So, but yeah, a four yeah, game so lead. You have a four game lead in the division. Are you telling me that you couldn't stretch his starts out a little more? Like you? Yeah, couldn't like make... that's what I was thinking. Like you could stretch him out a little. Like I know that this is a really. Well, why not just pitch way... him once a week? Yeah, like if you're gonna, or like if you or this hesitant with him, skip this start. Like, don't have him pitch a seven-inning game if you uh, – I, I don't I, know. I would rather see him pitch every weekend, just once, every single weekend up until the All-Star break, and let him cook than micromanage him going every fifth day. Here's, here's one for you. Do you let him start the All-Star game? No. Uh, yes. Like it's just an inning. Like even just an inning. All right. I don't think here's actually actually here's my actual answer. If I were Jacob Degrom, I start. If I were the Mets, I really don't want him to start. But when it comes down to it, I don't think the team should really give him. I think the decision should be his. So no. The team shouldn't control that. I mean, if yeah. he, he's obviously getting – he's obviously going to be – if he wants to start the game, he's he's going to be able to. There's yes. no other pitcher that is going to be able – like where they're going to have to choose. It's going to be like, no. Like if, if we can get Jacob DeGrom to start, he will be starting. And overall, I think if I'm Jacob DeGrom, no matter how, what issues I'm having, I kind of want to because – this is turning into Jacob DeGrom's signature season. Like, every all the great pitchers, not only are they fantastic for years on end, which Jacob DeGrom has, but there's a couple years where they look absolutely incredible, and there's parts of that year that just further add to their legend. And a big part of that is being able to show dominance in these types of games. Pedro. Yep. This is his signature year, I think. I don't think we're ever going to see a better Jacob deGrom than the Jacob deGrom we're seeing right now. He needs to capitalize on this and do everything he can to build his legacy up now while he's got one of the greatest seasons ever going. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, You know, I say Pedro, that – Two, what was it? I think 1999 All-Star game in in Fenway gets the start, ends up winning MVP. Uh, I think he ends up going through the first six batters of that AL lineup that had guys like Cal yes. Ripken, Roberto Alomar, Jim Tomey, Ken Griffey Jr., yep. Manny Ramirez, or excuse me, NL lineup. That was uh, Sammy Sosa, Larry Walker, those kind of guys. So, yeah, uh, and that was – the first of um, 
the set the first of those two crazy Pedro years. But yeah, LJ. And it, you, you again, you remember that so vividly. Any person who follows baseball history is going to remember the big moments. Mm. We're going to remember that wild game in April. What, what did they strike out? Sixteen in the complete game shutout. Who's that, Pedro? No, Degrom. Oh, um. It might have been 14 or something. He had something. No, it was the Mets. It was the Mets record. It had to be 16 or 17. I think it was 16. So, yeah. So, my point is like, he's he's got the signature moments to make this a great season. He just needs to continue to build on them because those moments will be talked about. It's not like they get forgotten. So, the more you can create, the more you can build, the better. But anyway, let's get into this second game we have here between the Braves and the Mets after the Braves got pretty much um, humiliated by DeGrom for five of the seven innings, and then they started to look like a regular team after that. But this one is only going to come down to one play, and that's a Ronald Acuna solo piece in the top of the fifth that puts Atlanta to a one nothing lead, which will be our final as despite getting out hit five to four, Atlanta walks away with the win. Give the win to Ian Anderson, who goes five and a third, allowing three hits, no earned runs, and five strikeouts. The loss will go to Miguel Castro, who went an inning, allowing a hit in the earned run. Uh, Eikhoff got the start for the Mets. He went four innings, allowing three hits, no earned. And um, another thing that just popped into my head that I did see earlier that could have could be playing into the fact that Jacob DeGrom is even pitching right now and not going to, to a one-week plan, per se. Um, they've got rather serious pitching depth issues right now. They just lost um, – what did they just lose? They just, lost, they just lost two of their relievers, which, again – does not directly relate to correlate to starting pitching issues, but the starter for that game that Jacob DeGrom would would be pitching in the rotation has to come from somewhere. And if they have serious health concerns, there's no time. This isn't really the time to be playing around with minor leaguers if you don't want to, especially if you don't have anybody you really that floats your boat. No, and they just lost uh, Joey Lucchese to injury. Uh, Jordan Yamamoto, who was also making spot starts for them this year. Oh, he, it um, was – oh, sorry. No, you can go ahead. Either the, la- the last two that they were talking about were um, Uris Familia and uh, yep. Robert Selman. Yeah. Both went on in the last three days. So – and. Lucchese went on, I believe, four days ago. So, yeah, they've been really struggling. I mean, this was a team that's been killed by injuries. They they just got Jeff McNeil back today. And I believe Jonathan VR left the second game with an injury, which is tough. But, LJ, one thing really quick about this second game, because I had it on in the background tonight and was pretty much watching most of it. Ronald Acuna took – complete control over this game he threw out Pete Alonso from right field at third base to end an inning and 
for the second night in a row, the Braves win one nothing, and it's because Ronald Acuna Jr. hit a solo home run. Like, just it goes to show that these pitchers have been pitching really good this year, just in general. Then that hitting the that being a good MLB hitter is hard, and for him to just be like, nah, like it's okay. I mean, the homer he hit tonight was 115 miles an hour off the bat. I think it goes to show, and like LJ, it was like a 15 degree launch angle. It got out in like two or three seconds. It was so it was so quick. I mean, just crazy. And not only is he making throws in the outfield, but just such an exciting player. The Mets really did lose this game uh, on the base pass, though. Sixth inning, I believe they make two outs in a row to end the inning on the bases. Uh, just, yeah, tough for them. But the thing about double headers, teams hate them because most of the time they end up splitting. So, yeah. On to the Astros and the Orioles, the best team in the American League against the worst. And it went about how you would expect that matchup to go. The Astros with a no-hitter through the first. LJ, do you know exactly the, the number? Was it eight in the third? Eight or seven in a third? I think it was seven and a third through seven and a third uh so actually they were through a no hitter and then the tarp came out on the field and we all thought that for a second i was like "Uh oh is this gonna be another controversial no hitter where oh does it count does it not count and i'm sure lj and i would have said that it counts not anymore there's too many (laughs) hey we haven't had one in so long that like so long this is one of the ones that can't. Well, it hasn't been a year. We're no longer allowed to say so long. <laughs> but uh, the scoring got started with a Chaz McCormick RBI single in the third. Jordan Alvarez then with a three-run bomb later in the inning to make it 5 nothing. Carlos Correa in the seventh makes it 7 nothing with a uh, single. Michael Brantley and Garrett Stubbs both with doubles to make it 10 nothing. Then in the bottom of the eighth, Michael Franco breaks up the no-hitter with a two-run bomb. But the Astros go on to win 10-2. to The win to Jake Odorizzi. Five no-hit innings, nine, hit, or nine strikeouts to one walk. Christian Javier came in after that and pitched two no-hit innings. And then it was Brandon Bielak who allowed that home run to break it up. Keegan Aiken got the start for Baltimore, four innings, six hits, five earned, five Ks and four walks. He takes the loss. Next up, we've got the Indians and the Cubs in the top of the second. Bobby Bradley goes yard for the fifth time this season. He has really been a their saving grace at first base this season, his ability to uh, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Actually give them some form of offensive production this year. He puts them up one nothing. Top of the fifth, Josh Naylor goes yard, his sixth home run of the year. And then with the bases loaded, Ahmed Rosario draws a walk to score Cesar Hernandez and get us to our 4 nothing Indians final score. Give the win to Shaw from Cleveland's bullpen. He went an inning in the third, allowing one hit and two strikeouts. Aaron Savalli went four and two-thirds, allowing three hits. Two walks, five strikeouts with 71 pitches, but had to leave the game due to a finger injury, which is is what has been reported. The loss will go to Albert Alzelay. He went four and two-thirds, allowing three hits, three earned, and five strikeouts. I really hope that Aaron Savalli doesn't have to go to the IL because then – I mean, LJ, have you seen who who some of these guys are that are starting for the Indians? It, it's it's. I mean, Eli Morgan, J.C. Mejia, Sam Hentges, like. Yeah, I'm not sure who they could. Honestly, all right, Sam Hentges, Cal Quantrill, I've heard of. However, you take Aaron Savali out of this rotation, and you're going to have three absolute no names in this group, which is not a good thing. Yeah, no, both Shane Bieber and Zach Plezak on the IL right now. So uh, they could really use them back. But Rangers and A's, and it was Texas scoring five runs in the bottom of the first inning. They get an Adelise Garcia double to make it one nothing. Nate Lau doubles to make it 2 nothing, And then Andy Abanez with his first career MLB home run, a three-run jack. And it's 5 nothing Rangers. Sean Murphy goes deep in the top of the fifth to put Oakland on the board, his ninth homer of the year. Ramon Laureano would double in the sixth to uh, pull Oakland within three runs. But Jose Trevino with a three-run bomb of his own in the bottom of the sixth to make it 8-2. to two. The Rangers go on to win 8-3. to three. The win to Kyle Gibson, who remains undefeated at 5-0. and oh. Five and a third, five hits, two earned run, and three strikeouts. Uh, a 2.17 ERA on the season for him. The loss to Frankie Montas. Five and two thirds, nine hits, eight earned runs, six Ks. He's now seven and seven on the season. Hey, let's get into by far the most embarrassing game of the night. We've got the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. Top of the first, as would be expected, the Brewers managed to score this time on Avisail Garcia, 
RBI single to make this a one nothing game. But in the bottom of the second, the Diamondbacks say no more as they rattle off three runs there and then two more in the bottom of the fourth to win this one and stop the skid at five with a 5-1 to one victory. The win will go to Merrill Kelly, who is now 3-7 and seven on the year, who went seven innings, five hits, one earned, and five strikeouts. The loss will go to Brett Anderson, who went an inning and a third, along five hits, three earned runs. This stops the 17-game losing streak the Arizona Diamondbacks are, were on. This puts them down to a 21-53 and 53 record. Mind you, this was a home game. So their away losing streak has still managed to be kept. Yeah. uh, A couple thoughts here. First of all, it sucks that this ended. I mean, (laughs) certainly not for Arizona. I mean, I'm sure a Diamondback fans are actually really happy about this. And, you know, I have to applaud them. Like, you know, it must have, it must have sucked these last, however long that they've been losing for but their road schedule coming up lj i don't know if you've seen it but it's not getting better they play after this this brewers series they have three on the road in san diego and then three on the road in st louis before returning home to play four against San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, it could be a rough couple weeks. Then then you think they get a little bit of relief here. Three After the four at home against San Francisco, they get three at home against the Rockies, and then three on the road against the Dodgers, and then we're at the All-Star break. So realistically, they could lose their next nine road games in a row and we'd be at the all-star break if they get swept by Padres, Cardinals, and Dodgers, which is not out of the realm of possibilities. So no, the Cardinals will probably find a way to drop a yeah. drop at least one. But it's it's very possible. Also, again, this has been a trend we've complained about this year probably a little too much, but these schedules are awful this year. Again, I know some teams came out of nowhere, but there are some really tough and unnecessarily tough stretches, or at least they appear unnecessary to me. This is mainly me complaining about the Red Sox schedule. Oh, yeah. You mean how the Yankees and Red Sox at one point during the year play eight out of ten games against each other? At least that's how it is for the Yankees, where we play four against Boston, then we have a two-game series, and then we play four more against them. Brandon, let me explain to you exactly how rough a time we've been in. So this goes back to the beginning of June. Keep in mind, I'm very proud of the fact that we are still very much in things and have battled through a very tough, uh, a very tough month. You know, I'm, I'm going to take the good times while they keep on rolling. But let me read to you exactly what we've been up against. We started with three games against Houston. No bueno. Then we had the three games against New York, that weird one against Miami. Then back to 
Houston, Blue Jays, Atlanta. We get our, I guess you could call it a reprieve against the Royals, who again are a middle of the pack team. Now, right. well, Toronto and Atlanta are are very beatable teams. Yes. Okay. So that all right. So all right. Were you giving us a two week period? However, this is where it really gets juicy. Okay. Three games against Tampa. Three games against New York. Okay. A brief intermission against Kansas City. Then we go out to face o- Oakland and Los Angeles. We come back to East to face the Phillies before the All Star break. Then we go back to the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays. And that's our July. Just thinking about that travel schedule for whatever Red Sox makes the All-Star game. So they're going to be in Boston on July 1st against the Royals. Then you have to go to the West Coast, to Oakland, then to Los Angeles. Then you're back in Philly. And then a day after... So you play your last game July 11th. Then after flying back into Boston just four days earlier from the West Coast, you have to fly back out to Colorado only to fly back into New York York two days later to play the Yankees on the only game that day. Like why are the Red Sox and Yankees get one less day of the all-star break than every other team? I feel like me and you can both agree with this. Like, why would they schedule one game like to the day after the all-star break ends? What sense does that make? Like, what are we going to talk about on that episode other than the Yankees and Red Sox game? I mean, why schedule one game on one day when you have the entire league returning to action the next day that it just makes no sense to me makes no sense but yeah the point i'm making here is whether you're saying we're agreeing that the the blue jays are a beatable team but they're by no means a bad team no like it's not an easy win when you're facing them it's not fun for your pitching staff but it's fun for the hitting it's entertaining games yes which helps that we've got a very good lineup however that means that really we don't have an easy win until the beginning of August when we go to Detroit. That's baseball. It's just how it no, is. But that, but that shouldn't be baseball. Well, Why did we play like next to none of our in-division games in the first couple months of the season? Well, I'll let you know this, that the, you, the schedule for the MLB used to be done by hand and they now do it by computer. So maybe we could go back to doing it by hand. Yep. All right, Twins and Reds. Then we got the Dodgers and Padres, and we'll close it out. Uh, This was a very entertaining game, as in the bottom of the second, the Twins score three runs. They get a Nelson Cruz homer, Alex Kirilov single, and Luis Arias sack fly. But then in the top of the fourth, the Reds tie it right up. They get... Eugenio Suarez is 15th homer of the year. And then Aristides Aquino hits his fourth of the year. And we're tied up at three. We're scoreless through the ninth inning as we go to extras tied at three. And in the top of the 10th, Nick Castellano singles home the Manfred runner to make it 4-3. Eugenio Suarez with a sack fly to make it 5-3. Bottom 10, though. 
The Twins weren't done. Luis Arias doubles to make it 5-4, and then Trevor Larnick with a sack fly, and we are tied once again. We go to a scoreless 11th inning. Top 12, Cincinnati unable to do anything, and then in the bottom of the 12th, Miguel Sano says, let's go home, two-run, walk-off Jack, his 14th of the season, and the Twins win 7-5. to five. Matt Shoemaker gets the win. He pitched the last two innings. Uh, half foot and mouth got the start. Four and two-thirds, five hits, three earned runs. The loss goes to Heath Hembry. Uh, Tyler Molly got the start. Four innings, five hits, three earned runs, and eight Ks for him. All right, next up, we have the most unanticipated Padres-Dodgers series of the season. Just no hype around this one. I honestly didn't realize they were playing until... Until I was looking through tonight. I didn't either. Like, why aren't... How come people weren't talking about this, this, this series? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things going on in the league now. It's not like it's just the beginning of the season like there was before. First and time, you, fair, you, have, you have San Francisco being a big player. You've got the uprise of Chicago is a more interesting story, is a very interesting story still. People are riding the relish high still. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I am, I am riding that high. I'm still riding the relish high. Team relish all the way. But yeah, so let's get into this one. Bottom of the first starts with a Jake Cronenworth RBI double. Too bad he is unable to get a silver slugger out of this show. Manny Machado also goes yard to make a 4-0 San Diego lead in the first. Top of the third, Mookie Betts goes yard to cut this to a 4-1 game. But a Jake Cronenworth home run and then a Will Smith home run cancel each other out as the Padres take game one against the Dodgers at home, a score of six to two. Give the win to you, Darvish, who went six innings, allowing two hits, one earned and 11 strikeouts. Great day for him. The loss will go to Julio Urias, who went four innings, allowing six hits and six earned runs with five strikeouts. Yeah, you Darvish picking up his 15th hundredth uh, strikeout in the MLB. Now, note that he didn't debut until he was uh, 25 years old. And with his last strikeout tonight, actually got 1,500. So, yeah, he's only th- – uh, this was his 197th career-started game in the MLB. Uh, you know, certainly a guy where if he comes into the league where when he's – I don't know, 23 or 24, maybe even earlier than that. Uh, oh, if if he was not, like, if he was American-born, he would have been in earlier than 23 or 24. And, you know, we'd be talking about a potential, I, I don't know if we could say 3,000 strikeout guy, but uh, at least 2,500, I think is fair to say, because early on in his c- career, uh I mean, he's still nasty. Don't 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 oh, yeah. get me wrong. It, but early on in his career is when we re- we really saw those strikeout numbers. Uh, two hundred seventy seven strikeouts in two hundred nine innings is crazy. 
Well, I think the difference recently has been a lack of health. I mean, we're talking since he left Texas, since the la- his last year in Texas, he's had one season so far that he's made it over 170. Granted, that's only one of those was 162 games, but he hasn't been a 200 inning guy much his entire. I think yeah, he's got one career year over 200 innings, and it was his best year in the league. He finished second in Cy Young voting that season. But again, I don't see any reason that we shouldn't continue to talk about more dominance for you, Darvish. He's 34, first off, which is still young. In my opinion, it's young. If you're 30, if you're 34 and pitching well, you're still young because what we've seen is it's usually in that early thirties area where if you're going to see a drop off in performance, that's where you see it. That's where guys like Matt Harvey, that's where guys like, um, who we talked about a lot in that regard. I'm blanking uh, on the other guy. You know, uh, Matt Harvey. Uh, uh, I'm trying to. I can't even think of a guy who just completely fell off. I, I guess like Jake Odorizzi in a way. Yeah. Honestly, um, though, I don't think Jake Odorizzi. Like, I never considered him a good pitcher. Like, I never once was like thinking and I was like, you know, Jake Odorizzi is a good pitcher. Like, I just don't, I think, I just feel like he's the, he was the best of a lot of bad options this year. Yeah, no, he is the epitome of just like the average guy. Like he's going to have some bad starts. He's going to have some okay starts, but he's no, he, you know, he's not going to, I mean, as I that's say why, that, he pitches five no-hit innings tonight. But No, 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 I know. But, like, that's why I didn't want the Red Sox to go anywhere near him because I knew no matter where he went, he was going to get overpaid. Because over a couple a couple years span, even if he has a great first year, over a couple years span, he is not going to live up to the money he was capable of getting this year because of how weak that class was and he only got 23 million over three years and we're and we're saying that that's like overpaying and it's only eight and nine for uh, for a year i mean adam Ottavino makes more than than this guy does yeah but i mean to be fair that but that it's also because he waited so long yeah he, like there's he, a he, there's he, a reason oh. nobody was going after this guy First off, yeah, 23 over three, that's like a little over seven, right? Yeah, like it's not, it's like just under eight. Like, so it's not anything that's, special. No, no, but I think 10 over is something where you're asking for significant production. And when you've only had one really good year in your MLB career, then you pro- you probably shouldn't be or, and don't show a lot of potential at 31 towards doing anything more. You probably should be put in that category. Yeah, this there was just no good no really good options this this year. The Red Jenny- Sox gave gave Eovaldi like what almost 70 million, and he had two Tommy John surgeries prior to that. I mean, and that was more of a heart pick than a. Logic pick. Oh, no. I think that that was – I mean, he's pitched really good. 
in 2020 and 2021 for you guys. And also mm-hmm. when uh, he pitched for you in 2018 as well, of course, I can't forget about that. But And, and 20, 2019 was an absolute mess because of, you look at the 67 innings, but look at the 23 games, 2012 games started. They basically decided in the middle of that year, one of the most ridiculous you know, last-ditch efforts of Dave Dombrowski to fix the team and keep his job was, hey, Alex, why don't we just make this guy the closer and leave Andrew Kashner in the rotation? That seems like the brightest move. Oh, yeah, the closer with no saves. Gotta love it. So Yeah, so he was in the back end of the rotation, kind of just sucking air for the the latter part of – 2019 when he eventually came back from surgery well we are close to the hour and a half mark on the show how are we close to an hour oh my gosh it's 3 30 so i think it's safe to wrap this one up uh we will be recapping to wander franco's first mlb game tomorrow night against the red sox he will be taking on erod uh should be interesting but uh lj uh yeah i think this is a good place to wrap it up uh thank you for listening we can't you know say how much we support you guys every day for for listening and uh yeah so be sure to check us out on twitter at mlb daily pod play the play the daily trivia game be sure to follow me at brandon underscore caram and lj's at lj underscore vp underscore Lafiora. have a great tuesday everyone see you manana mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner this holiday season lexus wants you to remember nothing feels as good as making others feel good those so-called feel-good holiday films they can't hold a gingerbread scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels make this december one to remember together click the banner to discover more experience amazing at your lexus dealer